Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Brian. I'm here today with Chris and Chelsea. Hello. Hey, hey. Um, and Jesus is in Jerusalem. We're in his last week. We're going to look at some interesting things that he's up to. He's going to clear the temple out. He's going to curse a fig tree. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I kind of want to start in the beginning of our reading where it talks about the unbelief of the people. Um, it's, it starts out with this prophecy from Isaiah and explaining the prophecy, which I think that's, I think it's interesting that it's in John, because I feel like we usually see those things in Matthew. Um, but uh, Isaiah is referring to this time where the Lord has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts. They cannot see. Um, and they cannot turn to me and have them heal, have me heal them. Um, and I also think it's interesting that there were all these, there were some religious leaders, some of the Jewish leaders that believed in Jesus, but they were so afraid of the Pharisees that they didn't want to actually follow him. And the, the reason is for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. I underlined that when you read that. I was yeah. like, oh man, that's like a stinging thing. Kind right of there. convicting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Would not want to be known in the Bible for that. <laughs> Uh, what stuck out to you guys? Well, I think, uh, I mean, right after there's that introductory passage about the unbelief in Jerusalem is when we have the uh, strange interaction with the fig tree. And it always, uh, people are always like, why is Jesus cursing this fig tree? Because it didn't have fruit, but it wasn't even the right season. Like, it just kind of doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but one of the things I remember learning about a number of years ago is that uh, there was probably some symbolism going on here that when Jesus is cursing the fig tree, it's kind of the fig tree is a symbol for the city of Jerusalem. Uh, and so if Jerusalem had a flag, you know, maybe the fig tree would be its its symbol. So right after there's this interaction that shows that Jerusalem is not believing, that they're rejecting the message of the Messiah, then there's this physical demonstration that kind of illustrates the same thing, hmm. uh, that this is... Jerusalem is withered and dying and, and not believing uh, in the Messiah. So it does seem really strange, like he's just randomly doing this, but I actually think he's continuing to make a visual aid of the state of the people in Jerusalem. Yeah. Can you imagine being one of the disciples and just Jesus is constantly doing these weird things and they're probably just like, what's happening? And then later on, they're like, oh, he actually did curse it and it died. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure they probably didn't pick up on the symbolism of Jerusalem <laughs> when they saw him curse a fig tree. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Um, it maybe would have been one of those as they're walking back and forth to Bethany, like later that day, oh, wait a second. Wait, oh, yeah. do you think? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Is that, what it, is that why you did that? <laughs> Those poor guys. <laughs> oh, man. It's like they're like living a three-year riddle. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. Oh, that's another thing we didn't talk about yet actually recording that there you said this before that there's so much in here that we don't that isn't recorded so we we've just walked through jesus's three-year ministry in just a few days yeah it doesn't take very long to actually read it all yeah um four times (laughs) yeah exactly um so there's like there's just so much that we don't even know about jesus doing this is covering a three-year period it's like i mean the gospels are covering like his birth to his death so it's not exactly a three-year period but um, if you look at it as the period of his ministry is even shorter than what we've been reading, mm. um, but it's not much. And there's actually a line at the end of one of the gospels about how Jesus did many other things and it didn't get in the book. Which mm-hmm. one is that? John. 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 Um, yeah. 
So he's gonna he's gonna clear out the temple. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> we uh, all love that. <laughs> I actually do. I think it's great. <laughs> Jesus uh, clears out the temple, and you need to know a little bit about temple worship to actually catch what's going on. This is not just this is actually similar to the fig tree. This is not just rageful Jesus just mm-hmm. like going on a tear. Um, these there's there's folks that have set up tables that are selling doves. I think. Um, in the outer courts of the temple, they kind of set it up into like this little shop. So there's a lot of red flags with this because one, you're not supposed to buy your sacrifice from somebody else. You're supposed to bring the first fruits of what you have um, as a sacrifice to God. So scratch number one. Which that would have been just a, that constant reminder that sin is costly. Yeah. Like when yeah. You, you sin, it affects you, it affects your family, uh, that affects, you know, since these animals were a source of income, there was just a lot of cost involved with sin, which would have also been a motivation not to. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and it, it would not have ever been meant to be like a business opportunity. Like, <laughs> hey, we're going to set this little sacrifice business over here. Um, it's also in the court of the Gentiles, the outer courts, uh, which means that they are targeting uh, seeking Gentile believers or, you know, people who are intrigued by worshiping God at the temple. And so we have now a marketplace where it is basically set up to take advantage of people who are most likely not Jewish. Um, and so it is the, it's a little bit racist in nature and it's a little bit about introducing division um, into people's lives who are genuinely seeking mm. worship of God. And so for Jesus to react to this with such rage makes sense because you have people that are calling themselves followers of God, like actively taking advantage of people who want to have relationship with God in an authentic way. Hmm. And so Jesus is furious and he drives them out. Um, unfortunately, Jesus is not setting the example that you can't sell CDs in church or coffee. <laughs> it's actually a lot deeper than that. <laughs> who buys CDs in church anymore anyway? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing Cassette that... tapes. Cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that I... learned about this just kind of like a teaching from this particular story of jesus clearing out the temple is um like people sometimes using this as an excuse for like righteous anger like well jesus cleared out the temple and um that gives me an excuse to be angry about different things and i this sticks out very clearly in my head of just learning like let's just be really careful aligning ourselves with jesus's righteous anger because i'm sure our anger is not nearly as righteous as jesus is um and just i don't think it's a good excuse for us to be like yeah, flip some tables. It's like a little deeper than that. <laughs> yeah, if people are actively seeking to stop people from seeking God. I guess you can be upset about that. Yeah. But usually that's <laughs> not the context. Right. So when you're saying, oh, it's righteous anger, like towards yourself or like trying to justify what you're angry about and I have to do this too. It's like, okay, what what am, what is actually offending me? Is it the is it get the worship of God and um like the things that are actually important? And faith, or is it my own personal self being offended, and that's my righteous anger? I don't know. Just, just a little extra credit. <laughs> extra credit. Um, and this causes, I mean, Jesus is always stirring up the leaders, but this causes the leaders to get very upset, and they're they're basically committed to their plan at this point. I like Jesus' insult. I'm reading it as an insult. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Too bad they didn't have God's whole story back then, huh? <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> they were really missing out. <laughs> um, do you guys want to say anything about the authority of Jesus being challenged? Um, that's one of the headings here towards the end of our reading. It actually just seems like the same old trick to me. Like, th- this, that's not the first time we're seeing that. Where right. They're constantly like, well, we thought up this great question. 
Right. Yeah. I, again, the every time we see this, we come back to the thought of the purpose of Jesus being here on earth is not to be tested by the Pharisees. Yeah. It's to actually save humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and they constantly just want to test him all the time. <laughs> Which is funny because their mind is already made up. They want to kill him. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but the public support for him is really high. So I wonder so is that their is that their motivation if they to can try and trick chip the away at that? Yeah. It's going to cost them less. Yeah. Which even if you remember that phrase that you read in the very first part of today's reading, that they were more, some of them were even afraid to admit they mm-hmm. like Jesus because they wanted to maintain that uh, love of the people or the yeah that what the people thought about them. So even in this. Uh, there is a saving face element here of, well, if we can ask him an obscure question and trap him, make him look bad, we can still look good. Yeah. Also, it must be a real bummer to like set somebody up with a really clever question. And then when they ask you a question, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Jesus has already said plenty to anger them through their view. Oh, yeah. All for the sure. times that he claimed to be God. Uh-huh. Uh, so they've got what they need. They just, <laughs> in their mind. Um, Chris, do you want to talk about the, uh, the mountain thing? Uh, Jesus talks about having faith enough to move a mountain. Sure. Um, right after we've got the, the fig tree passage, uh, Jesus actually, uh, turns and, uh, refers to this mountain that if you have faith, you can just say to a mountain, you know, be cast into the sea and it will. Um, I remember one time, just somebody who knows the geography of that land, that he was probably actually turning towards the palace of Herod which Herod actually built this palace by taking two small hills, leveling one with conscripted labor and doubling the size of this hill. So his palace would be so much higher than everything else. And Jesus is probably actually pointing towards this place, kind of saying, if by man's power, you can actually move a hill, Hmm. the power of God would not require conscripted labor to do that. Just by a word, you could say to that mountain, be thrown into the sea and it would. So Hmm. I think you know, seeing and knowing some of the geography, knowing some of the things that happen, it just makes these things so much more real because yeah. it's, it's not like, I guess it's not just gr- a random thing. That it's Jesus not said. a green screen movie or yeah. something like it's actually happening in certain places. Uh, and for some reason that just, it was a cool little, you know, Bible geek, uh, it, yeah. historical fact that like Jesus is actually like, he's referring to actual things when he says some of these, this, right. this palace is called Herodium. Yes. It's the name of it. Um, and palace or, Herod literally built it just so that he would be more famous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, you can still go visit it. It's still there. Um, and it is like much higher than everywhere else. You know what modern <laughs> construction is missing? Moving hills on top of hills. Why don't we do that anymore? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a slave labor thing where they just like literally bucket by bucket mm-hmm. raise this it's janky crazy. palace up into the sky. It's janky palace. It is. It's a very weird place. <laughs> John 12, 37. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they cannot see, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me, and I have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. 
Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who has sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Mark eleven twelve. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. And Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Matthew twenty one eighteen. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Mark eleven fifteen. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of the religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him, but they were afraid of him because people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. Matthew twenty one twelve. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God! For the son of David, but the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. Luke nineteen forty five. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, The scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught daily in the temple, but the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they could think of nothing, because all the people hung on every word he said. Mark eleven twenty. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will, it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen, and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Again, they entered Jerusalem. As Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question, Jesus replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely human? Answer me. They talked it over amongst themselves. 
If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. But if but do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid of what the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Matthew 21, 23. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, we'll be mobbed because the people believed John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Luke 21. One day as Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? Let me ask you a question first, he replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, the people will stone us because they are convinced John was a prophet. So they finally replied that they didn't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.